Welcome to Salisbury Sermons, a podcast ministry of First United Methodist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Today's sermon is a continuation through the story 2021, our discipleship emphasis for this year, where we are encountering God anew in the story of Scripture from beginning to end. The second lesson from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. Listen with me for the word of God. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. King David, one of the Bible's most fascinating characters. Probably second only to Moses when we are thinking about a character from the Old Testament whose story is told in great detail over the span of several books. In terms of literature, David is not a flat character. He is a round character. He get so many details about what happened here, what happened there, about this story and that story. And many of us are familiar with some of the stories of David. There are three people particularly that you might have associated with David in your mind. Thinking about Samuel, Goliath, and Bathsheba. There are three others though. I'm thinking about Nathan, Jonathan, and Absalom. Nathan, Jonathan, and Absalom. I want us to think about David in light of these three other characters. So, I want to do something a little bit differently in today's sermon than what I normally do. I want to give three vignettes, three brief scenes to help you understand what happened with David 
and why these stories are important to understanding God's faithfulness to God's people. And in all three scenes, I'm going to mention a scene from a movie because I want you to catch the cinematic quality of David's life so that you can better understand your own story as well. So try to imagine in your mind King David. Handsome, talented, athletic, musical, charismatic. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the prophet Samuel goes to visit Jesse and Jesse's family. And it's there that David catches Samuel's attention. There's something special about him. And David is anointed. Now, soon thereafter, David goes to fight on behalf of the people. And we know the story about what happens with David fighting Goliath. Pastor Stacy preached on this text recently. So after David, this little shepherd boy, killed Goliath, there's a part of the story that you may not remember. It's a little gruesome, but it's, it's really important. David decapitates Goliath. And he carries Goliath's monstrous head all the way back to Jerusalem. And there, Saul sees David, this great warrior. Now keep in mind, Saul heard about David. He's quietly becoming intimidated by David. But when David arrives with Goliath's head from the battlefield, you want to know who notices? Jonathan. Now, who's Jonathan? Jonathan is none other than Saul's son. He's the prince. And one could imagine that Jonathan enjoyed everything that goes along with being the son of the king. When Jonathan sees David for the first time, there's something about David that that really catches Jonathan's attention. And from that moment on, Jonathan and David become friends, very close friends, even making a pact with each other. In the movie Big, starring Tom Hanks, we, before Tom Hanks even gets on the scene, come to know two boys, Josh and Billy. And Josh and Billy are the best of friends. They make a pact to always be together. They know each other. They're there for each other. Now, most of the movie, of course, plays out when Josh makes a wish to grow up. And that's when Tom Hanks comes into the picture. But Billy is his faithful friend. Even though Josh has a way of messing up and forgetting who he is, Billy is there to remind him of who he is. That shows the closeness that they have as friends. They made a pact to be there for each other. Jonathan and David made a pact to be there for each other. And that came in handy when Saul, the king, starts becoming more and more envious of David. He's becoming envious of David to the point that he's almost scared. 
he actually wants to kill David because he thinks he's a threat. So what does Jonathan do? He goes to bat for his buddy, knowing that he could very well get in trouble with his father, the king. Jonathan promises to keep a watch out on behalf of his friend. The way that this plays out is quite stunning because eventually Saul is killed. David is killed. I mean, I, of course he's eventually. I misspoke, backing up a step. Jonathan is killed out on the battlefield. Remember those Philistines back when Goliath was killed? Well, they came seeking revenge, and it happened at a place called Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul, killing him and Jonathan and his other brothers. Upon hearing this news, David was heartbroken, and he lamented, saying these words, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Well, eventually, of course, with the death of Saul, David becomes king, king of Judah, king of all Israel. And David is assuming all of the niceties that go along with being the king, including building for himself a grand home. And he, he observes, I am making my house of cedar, which will be safe for me and my family. But the Lord, which travels in this ark of the covenant, will continue to travel in a tent. Now just imagine, if you would, side by side, a house for the king made of cedar, strong and sturdy, and a house for the Lord made of a tent. Well, the Lord wanted things to shift gears now and did so by speaking a word to the prophet Nathan. And that's actually the scripture that we heard. It's called the Oracle of Nathan. When Nathan the prophet, who is called by God to speak God's word to God's people at a particular time, Nathan is the one through whom the Lord says, we are going to have a new vision now. And I hope you heard the word of the Lord because it has, in many ways, parallel meanings. Let me remind you of some of the words. The Lord declares that you will make a house. When your days are fulfilled, your offspring will rise up, and I will establish a kingdom. He will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, on one level, this is describing to us what will happen with David's son, Solomon. And building that temple, that grand physical structure. And that is when people start to understand worship happening in that particular structure in Jerusalem the holy city. But in many ways, the words that Nathan speaks on behalf of the Lord gives us a sense of how to understand another ancestor of David who will come much later, who will build a house, 
whose kingdom will be established forever. Of course, I'm talking about our Lord Jesus, who is in the direct lineage of David. Well, Nathan then fades away to the background. And then David continues to assume his role as the king. And David, it seems, really enjoys being the king. And he will stop at nothing to expand his family and his kingdom. He has multiple wives, multiple concubines, multiple children. So much for our understanding of biblical marriage. As David continues to expand his life, of course, as you probably well know the story, he has an inappropriate relationship with Bathsheba, which leads to an unintended consequence. Reminds me of The Godfather. When Michael Corleone takes over for his father, and he becomes now the head of this organized crime family. And at the end of The Godfather, the first film, Michael Corleone goes to great lengths to ensure that his family is safe, but also to expand his power. And what does he do? He has the other heads of other organized crime families killed while his son is being baptized. It is such a striking scene. And by the way, if I just spoiled the ending of that movie for you, it's been out for a long time, okay? So the juxtaposition, though, of sin leading to more sin for selfish gain alongside religious piety, it's striking within that movie, but it's also striking in David's life as well. Because... David sends Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, out into battle in the front lines, knowing for sure that he would be killed. David walks away from that thinking, I've taken care of everything. I've done just right. Nathan, though, the prophet, he reemerges. And Nathan tells King David a story. It goes like this. There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He brought it up, grew it up with him and his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man who was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against that man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Do you know what? David heard from Nathan, you are the man. Nathan, a prophet of the Lord, came to David to help David confront his sin, to recognize his terrible mistakes, to understand more fully 
all that he had done wrong. And he was convicted deeply in his heart. Nathan was a prophet who spoke God's word. From here, David continues to be the king. He, like I said, had multiple children with multiple spouses. One was a daughter named Tamar. And Tamar's half-brother, Amnon, was quite taken with Tamar. She was beautiful. And Amnon, it seems, took after his father, King David, and found that if he wanted to be with this woman, he should be able to be with her, even though it was not right. And so Amnon had his way with his half-sister, Tamar. Well, that enraged one of their brothers, Absalom. Now, who's Absalom? Absalom was one of the sons who definitely took after David. He was beautiful and handsome and just captivating with great charisma and talent. Absalom could not believe what his brother did to their sister. And so Absalom had his servant kill Amnon. Along the way, a person named Joab offended Absalom because, quite simply, Joab didn't do what Absalom wanted him to do. And so Absalom burned Joab's field, General Sherman style. No doubt this devastated Joab. It had an economic impact on him, and Joab eventually sought revenge. King David specifically told Joab, deal gently for my sake with young Absalom. Well, nonetheless, when he had his chance Joab killed Absalom, thrusting three spears into Absalom's heart. And when King David heard of this news, he was heartbroken. It reminds me of a scene from one of the Harry Potter films. When Harry and others are vying for the Triwizard Cup. And one of the aspiring wizards is killed along the way by none other than Lord Voldemort. Harry brings the body back, and the father can't believe what happened. He looks, and and he runs out into the field, and he picks up his son Cedric, and he's crying out, my boy, my boy, look what they did to my boy. King David cries out, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Again, these are just scenes from David's life. David with Jonathan, with Nathan, with Absalom. You know, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Happens twice. Happens first when the prophet Samuel goes to anoint David. But then it also happens in the book of Acts when the apostle Paul is telling the story of David. A man after God's own heart. 
I think this has at least two meanings. One, there's something qualitatively beautiful within David's heart that looks similar to God's heart. It's after God's heart. In other words, it's, it's modeled after. But another way that we can understand this phrase, David is chasing after God's heart. David recognizes who God is and longs for it. As the deer pants for the water, David's soul longs for the Lord. There's both an imitation and a longing deep within the recesses of who David is, even with all of his mistakes. Think of all the mistakes that David made in his life. In today's world, David would be either canceled, given a reality TV show, or voted into office. Maybe all three. So here's part of our tradition within the Christian faith. We have this character, this, this very round character, with all the mistakes that he has made. He is still the one through whom God will bring God's promises of light and love to the people of Israel and to the whole world through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, that is good news. It's good news for all of us, even with our mistakes, our troubles, our shortcomings. We make bad judgments. We fall all over ourselves with one sin leading to another. Yet God doesn't do away with us. God's promises are faithful and true to David and to you. As Christians, we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live faithfully in the world today. You and I would be blessed to have a friend like Jonathan, who is loyal to us. You and I would be blessed to have someone like Nathan, who will speak God's truth to us, even when we don't want to hear it. Because, like David we will experience tragedy and heartbreak, maybe even with the people we love the most. God will be faithful through it all because God's love for you is much stronger than any mistake you make, is much more powerful than any lapse of judgment on your part. God's love for you is enduring that's at the heart of the oracle from Nathan that was given to David, ensuring him that there will be a line of faithfulness through David to his son Solomon. And you and I know for this faithfulness to endure through the Lord Jesus Christ into the life of the church in which we have the blessing to be a part today. And so I invite you, dear friends, to celebrate God's love found truthfully in you. Let's stand together 
and sing this great hymn of the faith. Love divine, all loves excelling. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share us with your friends. For more information about FUMC and our mission to make and nurture Christian disciples through the presence and power of God, we invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please visit our website at fumcsalisbury.org.